Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. I reckon some of my family's happiest memories were on long car trips singing along to the music of my next very special guest on Open House. It's a personal treat to meet him. I'm sure you'll really enjoy this chat. Long before the Wiggles and their merchandising millions, there was Peter Coombe. He's had seven gold albums, two platinum and three ARIA awards. And now, after delighting countless numbers of kids and their parents, I must say, for a generation, he's had a really interesting resurgence in his musical life and career. These days, the kids who endlessly rollicked along to Newspaper Mama, Spaghetti Bolognese and Juicy Juicy Greengrass are now in their mid to late 20s and they are singing their hearts out. Once again, quite literally, very loudly, to Peter Coombe at his 18-plus concerts. It's been a really interesting, heartwarming dynamic. There's also a new CD in true Peter Coombe style called Quirky Berserky, the Turkey from Turkey. Peter Coombe, welcome to Open House. Thank you, Lee. It's, what a lovely intro. It's wonderful to meet you. <laughs> uh, such a treat to meet a man who's been so much part of our family's life and countless Aussies, I'm sure. Before we get to the wonderful story of your resurgence in your career... Where did this musical life start for you? I suppose it really started when I was about, I reckon about eight, when I started singing harmonies to pop songs. I just naturally just just harmonised them. And I I suppose I kind of assumed most people could do that kind of stuff. Of course, most people can't. It's just something you're sort of born with. And where it comes from, I don't know. Um, and then like in the when I was about seventeen seventeen and a half, I got caught up in the the folk protest movement and I got formed my first folk group with just friends at a local church we were called the union four <laughs> very 70s sounds very straight now yes. um and we we sang at churches and, uh, and that's where i got that's where i started learning to play the guitar and i was, I was totally sort of self-motivated so church and music in church and around church was an important part of that early formative yeah. time of your life yeah i grew up i mean i grew up in a christian family my both my parents were christians they're, they're both dead now um, and I, I had a very strongly Christian Christian upbringing, yeah. So that's where I started started my my musical performing career. Yeah. So what was it about music that drew you to that, and not say engineering or science or other things? It's probably some sort of instinct, I think. Yeah. I mean, when you find yourself singing harmonies, I mean, you find yourself singing and falling in love with various performers of that era. And I'm talking about people like Simon and Garfunkel. Peter Paul Murray, Joni Mitchell, Judy Collins, Bob Dylan, etc. Um, you 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 know that you've got these sort of sort of musical genes in you. Now I, I never know where that comes from. It's the old nature nurture thing. Yes. My father was quite musical, um, and I just instinctively just knew that that was the road I wanted to go down. Um, so that started about about seventeen and a half. There was a moment when you were listening to Joni Mitchell. On yeah. Your- Parents radiogram. My parents radiogram. Yes, I haven't heard that word for well, a actually, long there, time. There were two. There were actually, there were two moments. So, two two of my favourite performers and songs came from hearing them first on that radiogram yeah. in my parents' place. One was a Joni Mitchell song called "The Gallery," which is this gorgeous song. I'd, I'd never heard Joni before. And the other one was this Paul Simon's beautiful song called "America," which is just the most stunningly beautiful song. And I heard them at late at night. Uh, on my parents' radiogram when my parents were asleep. So I had to play it very, very softly. Yes, yes. But I could just tell they were fantastic songs. So I got introduced to these two brilliant songwriters uh, late at night on my parents' radiogram. And they captured you. Oh, absolutely moment. captured yeah. me. I mean, I mean you recognise the quality of the writing because writing to me has always been a really, really important part of what I do. Yes. And I think of 
as a writer, I think of myself as the same way as someone like, in my own field, say like a Paul Simon, like a Paul Kelly, a Neil Finn, a Leonard Cohen. You know, I'm not comparing myself to them, but I take writing as seriously as they do because I think that children just just deserve that same attention to detail that any other serious adult songwriter gives to their songs. But kids' music followed later. It was initially yep, yep. to London, actually, oh, yes. to try to be Paul Simon. To be the world's next Paul Simon. Yes. Trouble is, trouble is, Lee, I discovered there were about 4,000 4, million other people yes. who also wanted to be the world's next <laughs> yes. Paul Simon. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, it, it's a sort of a, a jumbled story in a way that uh, I was writing, I wrote, um, adult songs and I recorded some of them later too but I just um, because I had this history of uh, a previous life as a school teacher a uh, primary school teacher I st- was writing the odd children's song and also I was actually doing a program for the BBC called Music Time which was a children's music educational program and I, w- I had wrote a couple of songs for them so I guess I was kind of sort of steering a bit towards children's songwriting, but not, not in a big way. I wasn't intending to come back to Australia and start being a children's performer writer. I know some of your superiors at school were worried about all the fun that your kids were having in your class. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I, I had this headmaster uh, who, who would tell all, all the student teachers who came through, uh, he said, oh, if you're, if you're with Peter Coombe, he does nothing but music, by the way. <laughs> There was some truth in that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He wasn't all wrong. But that was fun. It was clearly fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, music. Music has to be has to be fun. It has to be um, a labour of love. Not that all music has to be lighthearted. I mean, there's a bit of a myth in children. Is that children like nothing but simplicity, repetition, get up and dance. Now, they do love that. There's no doubt they love that. But they also have a soft centre, too. They like the soft songs, too. Um, because I get lots of emails from kids, and they... I'm often surprised and touched by what song they'll include at the end they also like, which is quite an unexpected one. Yes, for all the fun and games of your music and your lyrics, you've also had a passion to raise the status and the dignity Mm. you speak of of children's Mm. music to literature. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, after all these years, children's music doesn't have a very high status. Uh, And what I mean by that is, uh, um, I mean, my new album, Quirky Berserky, The Turkey from Turkey, will probably get reviewed by no one. I mean, there'll be no mainstream newspaper who'll review the album. I can say that crazy. almost categorically. Yeah. Now, why? I'd say crazy behind your back, not just because you're on this program, but I think in terms of music, are there a few more important things to engage kids with music? No, you know? and, and, and they've got music, they've got lyrics, um, and I try and write in a very poetic sort of way because I think that songs have a poetic quality which, they, which make them what they are. And I said all the people I've talked about, people like Paul Simon, Joni Mitchell, write these beautiful Poetic, piece, poetic pieces, which they set to music. So you've got that, plus you've got beautiful instrumentation. But you have to actually be a children's author to get reviewed in mainstream newspapers. Now that's a that's a good thing. I'm not I'm not I'm not criticising that for yes. one minute. But the fact that children's songwriters, especially serious ones, I guess like myself, get ignored, I just find intriguing. It's curious. Why should kids have music in their life? I think music it feeds the soul. People call as a natural high. So rather than taking drugs or rather than drinking too much alcohol or whatever or or, or even becoming an addicted smoker, all those things produce very unnatural highs. Music is one of the things that gives great joy and it certainly isn't harmful. And I think that's something that's really everyone needs. I mean, I'm probably stating the obvious, but it can never be said too often, I don't think. And to write kids' music 
is not necessarily an easy thing to do. Oh, no. people I, might think, oh, that's I know. easy. Well, you, I, mean, look, I, could, I could slap off a whole lot of songs in two weeks and I could record them. I, I could do 20 songs in, two, in two, three weeks. But, but they would be hackneyed, they'd be cliched, they, they'd be worth almost nothing. I might fluke a really good one because occasionally a good song just comes out of nowhere and there's no explanation for that. And like Newspaper Mama came out of nowhere. But if I were to sit down and write an album full of songs in two weeks, I just wouldn't get enough good quality songs. It's like anything, like writing a screenplay, like writing a novel, like writing a play, like writing a poem. It takes work. And you sort of, you do you do it, you edit yourself, you change things, you start again, you, you turn things around. And that, that, that's how you end up getting a good song. You say the key to it is being unpredictable. Being unpredictable, particularly when you make an album. In that sense, I love I love I love an album to be full of surprise packets. So I mean, I suppose my latest album, you go from this kind of weird song about tur- about a turkey, then you go to a little play schooly type song, then you go to a singable song, then you go to a I do it I do it with my three year old grandson, then you go to a kind of a real rock song. So and there's a little bit of jazz on it, there's a string quartet. I think that children can be introduced to all sorts of forms of music. As long as it's done in the best of taste, it just expands their view of the world, both in a, in a musical and a lyrical sense. And that's something that just takes work. I must ask you this. What is it about the food thing? Because so many of the really popular <laughs> know, songs have got food in them. I think it's more accidental, really. Having said that, I love food. I mean, I'm a great food lover. So I, mean, I adore food. Yes. I love eating. Some people don't. I've got a sister who could who could take a, take a leave eating. She is. She is. If she didn't have to eat, she wouldn't. Good grief! No, no I can't understand that. <laughs> That's right. Needless to say, she's very, she's very slim. Yes. <laughs> but she, she 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 sort of just could take take her leave it. Now I can't understand it because I love I love food. So how toffee apple and spaghetti bolognese and wash your face and orange juice came about? It could be that unconscious loving of food. It's also maybe it was also that instinctive knowing that. Children love food. Children are very interested in food. Yes. And food then produces colours as well. So it was probably more, it's more of a thing I didn't try to do. It just kind of happened that some of my best known songs ended up being about food. They sure are. <laughs> On Open House, we're with the wonderful Peter Coombe. Peter, for many years in our family, still sometimes mm-hmm. these days, our home celebrates Christmas to the sound of Peter Coombe's Christmas album, which is a straight album. Mm. It's a Christmas album. Mm. None of the fun and games of your other music. Why? Straight and why Christmas? Except Ping. Oh, yes, okay, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Ping's, Ping's a silly one. Yes. Yeah. For a long time, I, and I wrote this as, as cover notes on the album, I sort of wanted to write an album of original children, family songs about Christmas. Because I think that Christmas is a major part of our culture. It's a wonderful part of our culture. And it always seems to me, despite all the materialism, the consumerism, that it's always still underneath on that is a tremendous sense of optimism about Christmas. And I wanted to write a song. I wanted to write a, a group of songs that weren't just for little kids, but they were for the entire family. So, on the album, I use a number. I, I use this gorgeous choir called the Adelaide Girls Choir. They're quite. They're really quite classy. Yes. And I guess the, the album became a mixture of the the secular part of Christmas and also the Christian part of Christmas. Because I, I always think that you can love Christmas whether you're a Christian, an agnostic, or an atheist. It can, it can still mean something to you. And uh, so in that, in that spirit, I wrote the album. It's been important to you, I know, that you've represented values mm. in your music and lyrics. Yep. Why is that? And what kind of values are you talking well, about? I think if you're, a, if you're a public figure and and you've chosen to be a public figure, which obviously I have, um, you've got some sort of obligation to, to represent values. I think. Otherwise you think, well, why, do, why, why am I doing this? What's, what's the point? 
Um, some of the values that I hold very dear to me, and one of these is one of the great Christian values, is the is the the value of non-violence. I'm a huge fan of, I mean, I guess of Jesus, of Gandhi, of Martin Luther King, all the great leaders of all the movements, because I think one of the hardest things you can do is to actually turn the other cheek. So that that to me is a is a is a is a great value that I that I really and I'm a sort of a a strong I don't I can't adhere to it but I've always been a great admirer of the whole notion of pacifism now, even though I can't, I'm not I can't be a pacifist I'm not quite that <laughs> I'm not quite in that Gandhi league yet yes. <laughs> um, I, I love the ideal of it I also think that Christianity rep- represents that the giving the the cooperative spirit the sense of community and also the love of peace. I mean, all those things are very bound up in, in the the great Christian tradition and a lot of and the other world religions too. I think so. That that's probably a slightly rambly answer, but that's it. No, no, it's a good answer. <laughs> so let's fast forward to this resurgence in your career. As I said, it's a wonderful story which began of all places, and this is the first time I've said this word on Open House Schutzenfest. That's right, a German beer festival in yes. South Australia. That's right. Tell me that story. Well. It's a strange one because I, I got asked to sing Do Schutzenfest about, this is probably about nine years ago now, and I did it. And I, and I, kind, of, I kind of thought this is a weird, a weird gig to be getting because <laughs> there were virtually no children there because why would you bring your children to a festival where basically the adults just get drunk? That's yeah. what happens. And it's very, a very, very hot part of that time of the year in Adelaide. It's, it's like early, early January. And it's usually 40, 41 degrees. And the second year I went there, I knew it was happening. I'd, I'd, I'd end up performing to about literally 10 children who had to sit out in the sun. And I thought, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> Good grief. There were very few of them. It's a horrible experience for everyone. So I took the show inside and said, let's just sing it to the adults. And if the kids want to come in with them, that's, well, that's the way it'll have to work. And this show, the, the adults stormed the stage. And they also formed a mosh pit. And I, this was kind of weird. And I thought... You know, I was quite confused, and I got off stage thinking, ah, it's just the alcohol. They're, they're winding me up. They're taking a the mickey, you know, all that stuff. Yes. But when I spoke to three or four of them who weren't quite quite as inebriated, they, it was clear they just really just wanted to hear the songs again. And I was, I was very touched by that. It was a lovely notion they just wanted to hear the songs again. So that fast-forwarding from that, that led on to a, a few more shows in Adelaide that all sold out, and then, then I did a national tour. And because all my stuff on the ABC had all been national, I did this huge tour all around Australia to these enormous numbers of audiences. Yeah. And I suppose the most recent one has been this amazing show I did last year at the Falls Rock Festival, which is about two hours south of um, Melbourne. And there, instead of being 300 people, say, at the Metro or the Oxford Art Factory or something, there were 3,000 of them. And to hear 3,000 people singing the echoes in Newspaper Mama... <laughs> Is quite something. I'm sure it must have delighted <laughs> it's your heart. If it's shocked you, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's really, really lovely, and they they do it with such unadulterated joy. It's just yes. a feeling of they're incredibly happy. It's like reclaiming your childhood again for, for for three quarters of an hour, and it's a very lovely thing. It's it's a really beautiful experience, and they're all very loud. Oh, they're so loud! I can often I can't hear myself. And so, so when I do these shows, I have to I have to say at the sound check, I need lots of fallback, especially on the voice. Otherwise, I just don't hear myself. And they sing. don't believe you initially. No, no they don't. Oh, the they, they think, oh, no, he's, he's just kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's big noting himself or something. But that's just, that's what I've learned over the years. I need loads of fallback. And, but it's, it's to get this, you get this roar, of, and, they, and they sing everything, even the songs that aren't really sing-alongs. They still sing them. Because as kids, they've probably, as we did, 
play them endlessly in that's right that, cars. that's the that's the secret i realized that a few years ago the reason they know the words so well is because when children love an album they hear it not just three or four times they hear it 50 times <laughs> oh yeah and you'd know that because you're yes. a parent yeah, you, you'd, right. you'd remember it so but we never minded it i must say there'd be other music where we'd say not that again yeah, but yeah. this just kept going on and on tell me about one particular party you did Oh pizza. yes, this this this. this I, I do the occasional private twenty first birthday. N- not a lot of them. I, I don't make a, I have a habit of it. But did this very large one in Adelaide about must be or oh, must be two and a half three years ago now, and there were about two hundred and fifty young people. Most of them were probably about, about twenty one, but someone slightly older. And I did wash your face in orange juice, and you get the bit where you go belly flopping a pizza, belly flopping a pizza, uh, all that stuff. Yes. And at this point. The crowd literally parted, literally parted like like Moses in the Red Sea. Yes. That's what remind me of. And, and and this young man came. I attempt to say came forth. <laughs> he came forth, and he had this great big cardboard box, and he was very theatrical. He sort of very very slowly opened the cardboard box. He placed it on the ground. This is all done in a very sort of elegant sort of way. Took off his T-shirt quite slowly, again, quite theatrical, and then simply belly flopped <laughs> into it. And we were just so impressed. It was just amazing. Yes, because wonderful. it's got this amazing round of applause. <laughs> Bet. And then we carried on and finished the song. <laughs> there are versions of that there on two, YouTube. There were, two, there were two versions of that where, where people have actually done that very thing. So whether, whether it started from that night, I'm not sure. But it happened after that, Great the YouTube stuff. stuff. I'm wondering what your own kids' response to all this has been from the time they were children, and I take it they've followed you into the kind of show-busy world. They have, yes. They, 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 um, well, first of all, they, their response, I think, was, I can say, was, was respectful. Yeah. Um, I think because they instinctively knew that I, I, I took what I did fairly seriously. I mean, I was a serious songwriter, and I wanted to do things that had intrinsic value for children, you know, plus being obviously fun and all that. Yes. But the, it, it has to be said, my older girls probably suffered a little bit at school. Like they got the, the, the bit of teasing. Uh, they cope with it pretty well, I think. Um, but there, but there, was, there was some tricky times for them. But I think, I think in the end, they, 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 it wasn't too bad. Um, but they, then all of them have got, have, in one way or the other, have got involved in music. That's only because they they all happen to be very musical, so I guess that's not not surprising. What a treat! So bring us now to Quirky Berserky, the Turkey from Turkey. What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I have to give my wife Carol. I've got to go to give her, give her credit for thinking up the first bit of the title. She okay. just just we were kind of, we were workshopping just the strange you know the strange groups of words. And it, it, it emerges that the letter K is the funniest of all the, of all the 26 letters in the alphabet. Is it really? And if you think First about time it, I've heard there's, so, well, there's so many words with K that have got a whimsical, amusing feel to them. And suddenly she just thought of this notion, quirky berserky. And I thought, well, that's a kind of acute, acute expression. Yeah. But then I went away and thought, now, quirky berserky's got to be something or other. It can't just be quirky berserky. Because otherwise, it was like, what, what is quirky berserky? Yes. Then I came up with the idea it should be a turkey. And the turkey, of course, should be from Turkey. Yes, of not course. From, not from France or Germany, yes. Italy or Spain, yes. Sweden or Denmark. That's the first That's the first So that's where it all came from. And I, and I thought, what a... What a kind of a cute way of giving teachers a chance to conduct this, you know, imagine a globe in the classroom and conduct this kind of quirky, quirky geography lesson because yeah. the, the song covers Europe, 
then it goes to Asia, then it goes to Africa, then it goes to South and North America. We sort of cover most of the globe. Great stuff. And to go with all of this, there's an Australian tour. There is indeed. Some of the shows are family shows and some of the shows are 18-plus shows. Yes. Sydney, we do the 29th, we do the Oxford Art Factory. 28th, we do the Riverside Theatre at Parramatta. October the 1st, another one, the Oxford Art Factory, a matinee. We do Melbourne on um, October the 4th, the North Coast Social Club. Then we do uh, Fremantle on the 7th, fly-by-night. Then we do Geraldton, then we do Mandurah, Margaret River, fly back to Adelaide, and we finish off by doing an 18-plus at the Gov, which is the Governor High Marshal, everyone out there has the Gov, October 25th, and then the last matinee, Sunday afternoon matinee at the Gov on Sunday, November the 4th. I'm sure there'll be many thousands <laughs> delighted by that. Because the, the matinees are interesting because the people who come to the matinees are also that upper 20s group, early 30s, but they just happen to have children. Yes. The ones who come to the 18-plus shows generally don't have children, but the ones who come to the matinees are, are slightly older, who have a 3-year-old and a 5-year-old, and they can think to themselves, well, we can either bring the children to the matinee, because the parents, of course, know all the songs. Of course. They know the songs yeah. better than their children do. So when they come to these matinees, it's quite touching because you can see them actually singing the songs through the eyes and ears of their young children. It's yep. quite lovely. I must say, we were in Darwin last year and bought Peter Coombe for our grandchildren. Oh, there you, you go. <laughs> through the generations at last. Well, it's a yeah. bit like children's music is wonderfully trend-resistant. It doesn't, it doesn't have a sort of – it doesn't, doesn't exist in time in a way. It's yep. timeless. And I think that's one of its great uh, its great beauties. In fact, your grandchildren have been quite an inspiration for you to keep going with they this have. new one. In fact, this new one, I've actually recorded a song with my little gorgeous curly red-headed grand- grandchild Oliver, who's the son of my second daughter Alice. And, uh, I wrote this song called Red, red Says Stop, which had the word Oliver in it. I wrote it for him, really. Yes. And we found him just singing it in the car, singing it around the house. My wife would pick him up from preschool and he'd be singing in the car, singing his song. And I thought, now... I wonder if he would actually record it. If we took him to the studio, because one thing to have a three-year-old who can sing a song, it's a quite another thing to have them actually sing it when you want them to sing it. Totally. As in being directed. Yeah. So we took him to the studio. The first time, nothing happened. I'd go, one, two, three. He's meant to go, red says stop. Well, I went, one, two, three. And there was nothing but complete <laughs> silence. <laughs> so I thought, oh, this is not going to work. So we we... Pity. we, we we sort of gave up the idea and then and we got the last word stop we got him saying stop that was okay but we thought we'll try give it one more go so alice brought him back about a week and a half later and the first time one two three complete silence (laughs) it's not gonna happen come on kid we we know he we know he can do it (laughs) but he's not going to do it but the second time he just suddenly did it and having done it once, he got he got on a real roll and did it four or five times. Oh, great. So we simply picked, picked the best of those two takes, and we got this lovely take of him doing it. And you'll hear it on Quirky Berserky, the turkey from Turkey. That's right. Uh, <laughs> sir, may you please delight us with a song in the open house studio. We can do that. Is that okay? Absolutely. What would you sing for us? What about the story of this very um, confused tadpole called Tadpole Blues? Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Coombe with Tadpole Blues. <laughs> Yesterday I had a body and a tail A body and a tail A body and a tail Yesterday I had a body and a tail Today I've got two legs as well What is happening to me? Whatever can it be? 
I'm not very happy, and that's because I like the way I was. Diddle it, diddle it. Well, blow me down, it's happening again, happening again, happening again. Blow me down, it's happening again. There's two legs growing at the front as well. What is happening to me? Whatever can it be? I'm not very happy, and that's because I like the way I was. Diddle it, diddle it. Oh, what's going on? My tail is getting shorter. Tail is getting shorter. Tail is getting shorter. Oh, what's going on? My tail is getting shorter. It's going. It's going. It's gone. Oh no! What is happening to me? What ever can it be? I'm not very happy, and that's because I like the way I was. Diddle it, diddle it. Well, now I'm a frog, and I've more or less got used to it. More or less got used to it. Well, you know, more or less got used to it. But sometimes a tadpole swims up to have a quiet chat, and they know what he's going to say. A bullfrog? What is happening to me? What ever can it be? I'm not very happy, and that's because I like the way I was. Listen, it's really rather nice to be a frog and live at the bottom of a bog. So don't be concerned or worry about a thing. Come on and sing, sing, sing. La 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 He's now a very happy frog. We hope you enjoyed this open house podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.